Welcome to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. This is the audio version of our live Sunday morning gathering. To view our live Sunday morning gathering, go to pcctoday.com. Yes! Man, I don't know about you, but I'm ready for Mission Sunday. Are you ready? It's going to be great. I, I want to, um, man, I'm so excited. My cousin Shea is here. Would you welcome cousin Shea? Some of you might be laughing. Who's cousin Shea? She used to be on staff here um, a few years ago. She's been a missionary, and she's going to help preach next Sunday for Mission Sunday. Isn't that exciting? So we're so glad that you're here. Welcome. Well, in case I haven't met you yet, my name's Nate, and along with my wife, Mael, and our team here, boys, family, and we have two dogs as well. Uh, we're so glad to be here in Portland, and uh, just so thankful for all that God is doing here, and uh, it's just so fun to be a part of what's happening. It's a great time to be alive. I truly believe that we were here and born for today and this hour and this season, and I just believe um, that God's doing something fresh and new. And what's happening in Ashbury, Lee College, um, I think that's just like the start of what God's going to do here in Portland. Amen. And what I love to see is that whenever a, someone says there's no hope for a generation, God says watch out. Because God's getting Gen Z. Amen. Come on. And the rest of us who are not in Gen Z, God's still here for me too. Right? He's here for every generation. Young and old and everywhere in between, God is here to meet us and be with us. And we're so excited for what he is up to at Portland Christian Center. If you've been following along with us, we've been in the book of Ephesians. And we're studying... Um, all the way through, we're going to be in chapter four here in just a moment. Last week, uh, so grateful for my wife, Mael. Uh, she preached with me. You, it was so fun. You did amazing. Thank you. You did great. And uh, we talked about being anchored in love, anchored in love. And it was perfect for Valentine's Day week. And I hope you had a great Valentine's Day and you were anchored in love as well. Well, today uh, we're talking about being anchored to grow. Say, anchored to grow. grow. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, you were meant to grow. Turn to your other neighbor and say, neighbor, you too. You too. You were meant to grow. Well, today I want to jump right into the passage, and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 4, and I'm going to be reading out of the NIV this morning. Um, and so here we go for the reading of God's Word. It says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then... Now, just real quick, the Apostle Paul, we've been talking about this throughout the whole Anchored series. The Apostle Paul is in prison. And I still find it amazing that while he's in chains, while he's in prison, his letters reflect the goodness and glory of God. I there's this poem that I heard a long time ago that I love. I don't, I don't know who the author is. And it says this, that two prisoners looked out prison bars. One saw mud and the other saw stars. And I think Paul is somebody who saw stars. And I think one of the key things that the Holy Spirit can do for every single one of us 
is that he helps, to ha- helps us to have a different perspective than what the rest of the world has. While the rest of the world says there's no hope for Portland, we serve a God that is all, all we need to fill hope, fill the life of, life of Portland with the hope of Jesus. We have a God that can do immeasurably more than we can ever think, ask, or imagine. Amen? Amen. And I want to encourage you today to see the stars, not the mud. Maybe in your own life, maybe in your spouse, maybe in your kids, grandkids, or especially at the restaurants or the grocery stores or wherever you find yourself, see what God sees, not just the outward appearance. Amen? So Paul is writing to this this place in Ephesus, this church, this early church. That's why it's written to the Ephesians. And he's in prison. He says this, I urge you to live a life worthy of your calling, the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Should we open the altars right now? Because I will be right there with you. Because sometimes in life, we are going one way, doing well, and then something hits us, and boom, we react in ways we know we shouldn't be reacting. I love how Mike Tyson puts it. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. I don't usually quote Mike Tyson, but that's one that's quotable. But we can all relate to that, can't we? And yet we're supposed to have this bond of peace. The Greek word there is synusmo, which is, which is likened to a belt that's fastened. In other words, as believers, as you strive to live out this calling that God has placed in all our lives to be gentle, patient, humble, loving, peace is like a belt that wraps it all together. We're to be bound by peace. Are you bound with peace? As you walk through your life, there should be this constant pullback to what the Holy Spirit's saying to you. Bring everything together in peace. And then he says something so beautiful in verse 4. There is one body. Say one. And one spirit. Say one. Just as you were called to. One hope when you were called. And Lord and Faith and what? Baptism. God and the Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. For all the mathematicians out there, how many ones did we just read? (laughs) A lot of ones. That was my favorite answer in math class, by the way. A lot. Or I'd say, why don't you tell me and we'll compare. (laughs) You know, there's just something beautiful. It started all the way back in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy where it said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. The Hebrew word for that was the Shema. The Lord our God is one. From generation to generation, we serve one God. And yet we have this trinity, three persons in one, God the Father, God the Son, and God the 
he's still one God. This is so important for us to hold on to because we live in a society that thinks that you could mix and match it like a buffet at the Golden Corral. And yet God is very clear and Paul's making this case. There's one. There's one. Broad is the road of destruction, the Bible says. But narrow is the way that leads to eternal life. You may be asking, why are people so offended by Christians? It's because we have the audacity to believe there's only one. One king. And it's not me. One Lord. Still not me. One Savior, and it's still not me. That's probably one of the biggest reasons why people have such a hard time with Christianity, because it's not all about me. It's about a king who loves me and, and gave his son to die for me. And then he sent the Holy Spirit to live in me, to give me power, to live all of this out that Paul's calling us to under one Lord. Verse 7, but to each one of us, Grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does, it, what does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself, so this is really important. Ephesians 4.11 is a cornerstone passage. You ready? So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Who gave them, the, who gave these people to the church? Christ. Okay. And why did he give these gifts to the church? Verse 12 tells us to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. You were anchored to grow. You were given gifts to grow. You were designed to be built up and to be growing. We were not meant to slowly fade away in the spiritual realm. You see, even though our bodies may not look the way they once did, our spirits should always be flourishing and growing our attitude, our heart. The gifts should be growing over and over. Why? Because God gave gifts to you through the church to be built up and strengthened. Isn't that good? How good is it that God loves you so much? He says, I'm going to give you gifts to help you grow. And it's through people, apostles, prophets, pastors, evangelists, and teachers. And this is what it says, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach the unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. I love this. Do you realize as Christians, it's actually your responsibility and my responsibility to make sure what is being taught lines up with Scripture? We're to be anchored in the Word of God. What is he saying? There's going to be people that are going to try and deceive you. There's going to be false prophets, false teachers. We should not be surprised. 
But in fact, we should be strengthened and encouraged in such a way so that we can test the spirits to see if they are of God or not. So one of the most important things I want to equip our church with is this. Do not fear. Do not fear. Do you have a Bible? Whether it's digital or in paper, raise it, hand, raise it up for me, will you? If you have your Bible. Look at all the digital and paper. All right, we got a lot of Bibles in the house. Okay. God's word is meant to help you discern what is right, what is true, what is lovely, what is pure and of good report. Then he also said, I will send the Holy Spirit to dwell inside of you that will lead you into all truth. You see, one of the most beautiful things that Jesus did by sending the Holy Spirit to you and to me is that he will help all of us be able to discern what is right and wrong. And he gave us gifts so that you would grow and be mature. That's why we've been talking about being anchored to Christ and his word. That's why we give you life journals. That's why we have all these classes and small groups. All the things that we're doing here at Portland Christian Center, you know what they're supposed to be helping you do? Mature. Grow. Be strong in your faith. When I pray for all of you here as your pastor, one of the things I pray is that our church would be strong in its faith. That we would not be blown and tossed. We would not fall into the temptations of gossip or slander or hurting or saying this or that. Or looking at different things that are happening over here, over here and saying, oh no, we got to be afraid of this. No, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of love, power and a sound mind. We have nothing to fear because Christ is in me. And I have his word that will lead me into truth so that I will be what? Mature and strong. That's my prayer for you, that you will be strong. Say, I'm strong. I'm strong. Come on. All right. Then we'll finish this off and it says this, verse 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. Who's the head? Come on. That is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for your word that is living and active, sharper than, two, than any double-edged sword. I pray that it would come right to our hearts. Father, if there's anything in us that's wicked or broken, I pray that you would cleanse us and wash us from all unrighteousness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Anchored to grow is what we're going to talk about today. Anchored to grow. In verse 14, we've talked about this, but it says this, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. You see, if you're not anchored in the word of God, it will be really easy to drift. It will be really easy to believe lies. If you're not anchored in the truth, it will be really easy to not mature, to actually stay the same way. Have you seen somebody that you knew in high school and maybe gone to a 10-year reunion, 20-year reunion, 30-year reunion, and they're still doing the same silly things? How sad is that? There should be maturing happening in all of our lives. In fact, I love the way John Maxwell says it. He says this, is that change is inevitable. 
growth is an option. Change is inevitable, but growth is an option. When I was in high school, I was playing basketball at an open gym, and I missed a lane. I went up, man, I crossed him up, sauced him up, you know, whatever it is. And I went right by the guy, went for a lane, and oh, I missed the lane. And I was so frustrated, so angry. I came down and there was a padded wall. You know, have you seen those, those pads on the wall? And I just punched the padded wall, hard as I could. And as I'm jogging back, my coach, who was watching this, yells, so, he has one of those powerful voices, yells so the whole gym could hear, you better not have broken your hand. And as I'm running, I start feeling a twinge. And all of a sudden, my pinky and my second finger stopped moving. And it looked like a mouse had just walked into my skin and just popped right there. And I got the, um, the badge of honor called a boxer's fracture. And I had to wear a cast that held my hand just like this for the next four weeks. And I had the privilege of telling everybody how I hurt myself. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing. People started calling me uh, the real deal Holyfield, <laughs> nickname for Evander, Evander Holyfield, the boxer. And all these kinds of things. And I remember being so embarrassed by this. Now looking back, it's about 24 years later. Could you imagine if I came up here on a Sunday? Give glory to God, everybody. Yeah, I got a little angry again last night. Punched the wall. You should have seen the wall. You see, there should be maturity. I have bought houses, gotten married, I have kids, two dogs. Vehicles, been in church, seen people healed, seen people saved, given offerings. A lot of life has happened. Change is inevitable, but growth is optional. How sad would it be if I'm still punching a wall with my hand? And yet, as I say that, we all know, and I'm going to point the finger right here, there are areas in my life that I still need to grow in. Where I might be circling the same mountain. And my prayer for every single one of us is that today is a day for breakthrough in your life. That we will no longer be infants blown and tossed by any little deceitful thing or anger or frustration or sadness or bitterness or all the things the enemy's trying to throw your way so that you will stay immature. Because what the Apostle Paul is trying to tell us, he's saying, and he wrote thousands of years ago, and it still speaks true to us today, is this, that you were designed to be mature. You were designed to grow. You were designed to be strong. You were not designed to stay as an infant. You were actually supposed to be growing and being strong in your faith. So the question then becomes is this, how do I know if I'm growing and maturing? How would you know? Well, I've got good news for you. Paul makes it very clear. You ready? And I wrote it like this. There's three questions that I want you to ask yourself. 
Three questions that will help you discover if you are anchored to grow or not. You ready? Question number one. Do I speak the truth in love? Crickets. Do I speak the truth in love? Verse 15, it said this. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Did you hear that? I'm going to read that one more time because I think some of us forgot that part. You should underline this. Instead, speaking the truth in love. So he has, he has two parts of the sentence. Ready? Speak the truth in love. What does it say next? We will what? Grow. Maturity looks like people who speak the truth in love. To become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head that is Christ. Have you ever met somebody that says things like this? I just tell it like it is. If they can't handle it, it's their problem. I'm here to set the record straight. And if they can't handle it, get out of the kitchen. The fire's always hot in the kitchen. You know what Paul would say about that person? Immature. Immature. We might say they're bold. But Paul would say, actually, you're not growing in Christ. You're actually missing the fullness of being a part of the body. And I, I love this. Uh, in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, it says that I can speak in tongues of men and of angels, but if I have not love, I'm what? Just a clanging symbol. Bang, bang. It's nothing. That word there in the Greek is, is agape, which means that you love for the benefit of the other person. It's not selfish love. When I speak, I speak in love. And, and really, oftentimes when you hear that, we think of it as terms of, well, if I'm going to speak the truth, I've got to be gentle and meek. But as, 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 as kind of as that, that's true, but it's actually saying something a little deeper. Here's what it's trying to get us to understand. That truth and love always go together. They always go together if you're a follower of Christ that's maturing. I got these uh, Beats headphones. Actually, they're not mine. My wife and I got these for my son, Titus, who's 11. And uh, apparently these are really cool right now. Has anybody seen any other kids wearing these? I don't know. I don't wear them. But they're Beats. And when you put them on, don't they look cool? <laughs> now, here's what's funny. We got these for him, and we were so excited to get it to him, and he, he, he bought them, and they were excited, but we ran into a problem. Headphones don't work if you don't have something they're connected to. How do you listen to it? I mean, they're pretty good sound, like they'll remove the sound, but you're supposed to be listening to music. And if you don't have an MP3 player or maybe a CD player or a cell phone or something like that to play it with, it's, they're, they're really not going to be used, are they? And what ends up happening is, as believers, oftentimes we settle on one side of truth or love. We think we're loving by not telling somebody something's wrong. We think we're loving by holding back. When in fact, the most loving thing you might, be able, might need to do is tell the truth. My prayer for all of us is that we would see that truth and love for a growing believer should never be separated. That's 
should never be separated. So what you have to ask yourself is this, am I loving that person with the truth the way agape designed it to love? And that, what does that mean? I'm saying the truth so that they would be mature and be built up. There was, when I was growing up, my Sunday school teacher, um, her name was Jan, sweet lady, awesome lady. And uh, there was a girl in our class and unfortunately um, in her, I don't, I don't really know the, her home life, but every time she would come to Sunday school, she smelled like B.O., like really bad B.O. It smelled the whole thing. Well, I'll be honest, as a kid, everybody laughed, okay? And everybody kind of joked and it was one of those things that was like not good, right? So, but here was the problem. Nobody told her. Nobody did anything. She just kind of kept going week after week until one day Jan pulled her aside and gave her a gift basket. And in this basket were beautiful um, like, like shower gels, bubble baths, deodorant. And she handed it to her and the girl just started crying. And she said, thank you so much. My family could not afford this. I feel so bad that I smelled. Thank you. Truth in love. Sometimes just that little extra step of love makes all the difference, doesn't it? The question we have to ask ourselves is, am I trying to live my life with one or the other? If you are, Paul would say that's immaturity. Today, my question for you is, are you ready to grow? Are you ready to grow? So the first question you have to ask yourself is, am I speaking the truth in love? The second one, if you're going to be anchored to grow, the second question you got to ask yourself is this. Do I see Christ as the head? Whew. Is Christ really the head of my life? Verse 15 said, instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. That is Christ. Acts 4.12 says this, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which man can be saved. Why is God so narrow? Some people would say. Why does God not just accept anybody, let them do whatever they want? You want to know why? Because he's so good, so loving, he created life in such a way that if you will put him first, he will make everything else in your life better than it was when you found, he found you. Now you might be saying, well, I found God and I still go through hard times. Yep. Yep. But be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. You see, he'll actually hold your hand through the storms. I'm not here to preach to you a, a false gospel that says it'll be just easy and smooth and no problems at all. Because I look around in this church and I see some, some amazing saints of God that have gone through cancer. And you're still holding on. And you're still praying. You're still believing. I've seen people, I've actually talked to people in here that have lost all their finances and bounced back. And they're still giving. They're still living generous. You see, that's maturity. That's growing in your faith. The only way that's possible is if Christ is at the center. 
Do you remember the story in Genesis chapter 22? Abraham has a visitation from God, and God says, I want you to take your son Isaac, go up to the mountain and sacrifice him because that's what I'm just telling you to do. What in the world? Have you ever read the Bible and thought, what? What did I just read? And it says, Abraham immediately grabbed his son and went up. Did you notice he didn't ask his wife? She'd be like, Abraham, I better have that visitation too or you're the one going up the mountain. But Abraham, my wife, yes, that's right. But Abraham, he went. He trusted God. He put God at the center. He obeyed without knowing where his feet would land. A mature believer may say things like this. I'm not exactly sure where I'm going to land, but I trust in my God because he is with me. He is for me. Who shall be against me? I'm walking forward. I'm following him. And I will not be afraid because he will provide the sacrifice. And as you follow the story, there's a ram in the thicket. And it was a test for you and for me to remember always that if Jesus is not the center of your life, you will always be immature. If you want to be mature, make Jesus the center. For some of us, that means we're going to have to have a priority conversation. That's not a fun one. It's like the budget. <laughs> what? No, it can't be. The budget? Where you spend your money. Oh, wait, Jesus said it this way. Where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. If you want to mature, start giving to Jesus. He is the center. He is the head, this analogy of the whole body. He is king. Turn to your neighbor and say, Jesus is king. Not you. Third one, being anchored to grow. The last question I want us to ask ourselves is this. Where am I serving? Ephesians 4.16 says, From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its own work. That's what serving looks like. You are to grow and be mature, not so that you can sit and flex in the mirror. Look at me! It cracks me up when you go to the gym, Planet Fitness, I don't know, wherever people go, they work out and they spend more time looking at themselves in the mirror than actually pushing the weights. But unfortunately, so many believers, they're so caught up in the appearance of being godly that they forgot that serving looks actually messy. My hands get dirty. People hurt me. People aren't listening. I'm serving this person and they don't say thank you. How dare they? You see, Jesus said it this way. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give his life away 
for many or a ransom for many. You see, if you really want to mature, find a place to serve. Portland Christian Center is an amazing church made up of amazing people that are serving here. And I might want to, I just want to ask you, have you found your place? COVID was hard on so many people. Maybe online you're still trying to get things out. Maybe you're here, you're like, I used to do this. I used to be here. I used to be serving in this capacity, this, 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 and it's not the same, and I'm not sure. God's trying to grow you. I say that with the most loving way I can. God's trying to grow you. He's trying to expand you. Yes, it was this way. Yes, it was fantastic. But I've got something new for you, something more for you, something better. Are you serving? The only way that Portland Christian Center, as the bride of Christ, becomes all that we have been designed to become is if all of us are maturing and growing, anchored in Him. And one of the ways we see that is by serving. I went to a conference in Chicago a few years ago. I wish I could say it was just a few years ago, but it's been a decade plus. And it was a big conference, pastor's conference. Tons of people were there. And I'm walking through this place trying to get my food and a gentleman walks up to me and he has a lanyard that says, born to serve. And I said, oh, hey, thanks. He goes, do you know where you're at? And I'm like, I'm in Chicago. I don't know, I'm looking for food. And he walks me over and he, this is this church and this conference. There's all these pastors and people and gets my food and he says, hey, can I help you uh, find a table to sit at? And I said, sure, and he finds me a table. As I'm eating, he's throwing away my garbage. He wipes up the, the table for me. He checks on me, asks, how, he's, how am I doing? I'm, I'm doing great. Thank you so much. And he walks away. And as I'm walking away, one of the guys I was with says, do you know who that is? I was like, I have no idea who that is. Apparently, he was a businessman in Chicago that was worth over a billion dollars. Not a million. I asked the guy twice. Did, you, did I just hear that right? A billion dollars. He was cleaning my table. I would have never known how much money that guy had. Don't worry, I looked it up. He was rich. <laughs> you see, in the kingdom, it's upside down, isn't it? If you want to be the greatest, we become the least. There's so many children that need people to serve. There's greeters. There's classes that need to be taught things that need to be cleaned. One of our prayers and visions is that people would be welcomed from the street to the seat. Love to see us out there in the rain with umbrellas saying, welcome to Portland Christian Center. I got a cup of coffee for you and I'm going to present the hope of Jesus to you. We're going to develop you. You're going to become all that God's called you to be. You know what's the best part about what I just said? That's not my dream. That's God's dream. That we would become all that he's called us to become. As you stand with me, I want you to think about those questions. Would you stand, please? I want you to think about those questions. I'm going to read them to you again. Number one was, do I speak the truth in love? Number two, do I see Christ as the head? And number three, where am I serving? In just a moment, we're going to give everybody an opportunity to respond to this message. And here's how we're going to respond. We're going to have our prayer partners come all the way to the sides. They'll be on either side 
of the stairway over here. They'll be over there and along the wall. If you want prayer for anything, our prayer partners will be happy to pray with you. We're gonna leave the altar open. If you wanna just come and respond in worship or kneel, however you wanna respond, the middle is open for you. But here's the part I want you to close your eyes and ask the Lord to help you. Maybe put your hand on your heart just for a second and just say this. Holy Spirit, what area of my heart? Come on, we, we fell apart there. Let's try that again. What area of my heart are you calling me to grow in? I want you just to listen. feel there's this tug right now if you're here today and there is something in your life that's causing you to repeat the same struggles over and over and over and you want freedom today would you just raise your hand I want to pray for you right where you're at it's a repeated cycle Father, you see all the hands that are raised in faith. I pray right now in the mighty name of Jesus for every hand that's raised that they would experience freedom and breakthrough in Jesus' name. Not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord of hosts. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed. One of the most amazing things about the Bible is this. There's only one way sin gets out of you. It's through your mouth. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful to forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. So as you confess your sin, Father, forgive me for my sins. Forgive me for what I've done. Wash me and make me new. Holy Spirit, do what only you can do. Break the chains of bondage, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Portland Christian Center Podcast. If you'd like to hear more or learn more about us, visit our website at pcctoday.com or join us online for our live stream at 1030 at live.pcctoday.com.